Psychedelic Cultures podcast. I'm your host, Magenta Siba, and I have a very special person I'm interviewing today. And I'm curious, how did you find out about these things? Find out about psychedelic psychedelic drugs? drugs. Man, I... (laughs) I mean, it was in high school. I was a a straight-A student, really straight-laced, and I don't know. I started smoking weed um, because I started having crushes on boys who were into that thing. And so I started smoking weed with some friends and my friend group shifted and changed. And I was rejected by my old friends and some people in the new groups because they're like, who are you? You're a straight A student. You don't like belong here. But through that, through like going to a couple houses and smoking weed all the time, it's like mushrooms started showing up. I was in high school in the 2000s. So that wasn't a time where like acid was flowing like it was in the late 90s for people. Or so I'm told. (laughs) Um, But yeah, mushrooms started flowing around and I was just like, I want to try that. So we did, we, me and my best friend and two of our other friends each bought an eighth, 20 bucks at the time. And we knew, I don't know how we knew, we heard that they tasted horrible. So like we went to the gas station and each bought our own snack of choice. I bought those like disgusting like six pack of like mini donuts. (laughs) (laughs) with the powdered sugar on top and I took the whole eighth and I just shoved them into donuts Uh, this is a true story (laughs) (laughs) like most people do peanut butter I don't know I didn't know and whatever I ate the donuts and it was beautiful I remember we lived um, by a marsh so we went out to the marsh and I remember not really caring what anyone was doing, just like I was really content just being, Um, although I didn't have that vocabulary for it at the time, like in retrospect, like when I see myself that day, I see just that contentness. But what I do remember really vividly from my first time with mushrooms was feeling more like myself than I ever felt before. I was like, oh my God, I feel like me. And that was a really beautiful thing because being a teenager was confusing. And especially for me, <laughs> and like, you know, at that at that time, I think I was 16 years old or something, and I had um, an undiagnosed brain tumor. But I I didn't know that was there, but I was experiencing problems from it. So, like, to feel peace and to feel love for myself and to feel at home in my body was immensely beneficial. Um, So that's how that started for me. Um, And that was something I dabbled with on and off for years. And eventually I found myself in the jam band scene, doing that tour thing, following a band around every day. 
selling grilled cheeses and veggie burritos just to get to the next show. But like that whole scene is just riddled, not riddled. I mean, infused, I think is a more respectful word. Yeah. (laughs) Infused with psychedelics. And I would say it was through seeing music, you know, an easy 20 shows a year of one band just on the tour season. That's when I started experimenting with acid, mm-hmm. which um, didn't come as easy to me. I wasn't just like eating this and, oh, I feel at home. That was more work. I needed to do a lot more work on my mind before those experiences started getting life-changing. Yeah. I had a similar thing. I did like five acid trips before I wasn't just completely disoriented the whole time. Yeah, it didn't feel good. And I don't know why I kept doing it. There's, It's like, I don't know. You asked me how I find this stuff. And it's almost like it found me. And I don't know why I kept going back. But I did and it was worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how I found it. Honestly, like the weed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even smoke weed anymore. But that was, like, the pathway to, like, a consciousness shift, consciousness shift that, like, I wanted to continue to explore and still continue to explore. One of the reasons I wanted to talk with you is because you're one of the few people I know who's really explored high doses with multiple different things. Mm -hmm. But I've done that a little bit, and it's depending on the thing, kind of like a completely different realm that you're in, in those states. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm really curious to hear some of your experiences, some specific noteworthy experiences, um, and eventually like the differences between working with mushrooms compared to working with acid, compared to working with ayahuasca, and just some of the depths that you've explored. Um, does that kind of meandering question make sense? Yeah, first? it makes okay. it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, and I think one thing that I find really important when talking about like high doses is that it wasn't just like I started eating psychedelics and it's like now I'm doing a high dose. Yeah, it's like as one would train for a marathon is very similar to how I prepared myself for more high-dose experiences. Mm -hmm. I didn't just dive right in, you know? It was like I had encouragement from friends who had been to deeper places who were like, okay, you'll dig this, you know? And so my first high-dose of a psychedelic intentionally intentionally because there were a couple accidents along the way that are not noteworthy um was with l with acid lsd um and yeah it started with just like getting really comfortable in the zone um i remember i would like take a hit here and there and once I felt really comfortable on that place because I mentioned it was really uncomfortable for me then a friend who has been to deeper levels 
was like, okay, like, let's do some yoga before we eat this. And so we would like meditate for a bit, practice yoga. And then it started like three hits. And then I'd be having a groovy time. And then I would increase my dose throughout the night. But it's like, if you eat 10 hits of acid over the course of 10 hours, it's not the same as eating 10 hits of acid off the gate. So after I got comfortable with those like teeny tiny amounts, then it's like I worked up to like where five hits was my baseline. Mm -hmm. And that five hits off the gate was a, that was a denomination that was really, and it's, it seems so minuscule, but that was really, um, it really changed my perception of reality Mm -hmm. where, where, the understanding of the permeability of the physical reality is in your face. And it's not like a concept to be understood. It's just a reality. Yeah. There's no searching for like, oh, what's this? It's like, oh, this is how this is. You know, and the way um, light moves through beings um, and inanimate objects. Like, the way the light moves through the world was really, um, it was groundbreaking for me. So then I started upping the dose, and I would say one of my, I think it was the first time I ate 10 hits. Maybe it was eight. It's hard to remember. But I just so happened to be at um, a music festival. And it wasn't like a crazy one. It was, it was Camp Zoe in 2007. It was um, a string cheese festival, and it was the last year they were touring before they took a hiatus. But we didn't know they were ever coming back. And so it was um, a really beautiful um, venue in the Ozarks. Just rivers and trees, and it was humid. Um, so there's water in the air that you couldn't see un- oh, wow. un- until you're high, you know. <laughs> and, <it's> like... <laughs> and um, I remember that day. I think we took, yeah, we we ate the L at it at the campsite, and by the time I got to where the concert was, everything was like full on. And it's like the way that the transition from sober to high, like the way the the shift in the consciousness and like the breakdown of reality was happening was like, oh my God, I've done it. I've finally taken too much. And I had a friend like almost watch me go through that. Yeah. And he put his hand on my shoulder and he's like, you got this. And you know, because I had been practicing and because my yoga practice at the time was strong and my meditation practice at the time was strong, it was really easy for me to just like fall into the breath and like kind of like allow the breath to ground me like with the direct connection of my feet on the earth. Because it was like those times it's like you hit the concert, shoes are off, you know, feet in the grass. I don't really do that anymore because I lost so many pairs of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that that was one of the groundbreaking high-dose experiences for me. I remember um, watching 
um, like waves of energy come off the ground, come off the trees, come off the people. And in like um, a very like zoomed out perspective. So it was all happening at once, you know, and then it, the the energy was coming off of the stage and out of the speakers. And it was just like this. It, it was like an Alex Gray painting. You know, there's an Alex Gray painting with a cardinal and it's singing and all this energy is coming off of everything. Mm -hmm. It was like that at this show. And I remember just kind of staring in awe, like being like, oh my God, this is how it is. Yeah. Like this is what reality is all the time. What? And I was just quiet watching like in awe. And that same friend who was kind of watching me slip before came up next to me again and he was like, hey, listen, like things are like this every single second of every single day. And I was like, whoa, how did you know that like <laughs> that was my experience in this moment? I don't know. I've talked to him about it in the past. In that moment, I thought he could read my mind. <laughs> uh huh. But really he could just see that I was starting to understand the way things work. That's so interesting. Yeah. And that was really beautiful. Um, and a really, a really, um, pinnacle perspective shift. Yeah. You know, it's like when you're watching energy vibrate off of everything, um, then you're like, Oh, how is, this energy vibrating off of me at any given moment in my day mm -hmm. how can i start to calibrate and we all know this anyways but it's like the same lessons tend to hit deeper mm -hmm. and deeper and that one hit me really big it's like oh i really need to pay attention to what i'm putting out in the world mm -hmm. um yeah, the acid stuff really blends together, man. That wasn't that wasn't my most clear time in life as as much as I was learning so much about the reality of everything. Yeah. So I was still young. I was like 23 mm -hmm. when I had that experience. No. I was 22. You know, so it's like, yeah, I'm having these immense groundbreaking experiences, but also like <laughs> the level of immaturity <laughs> just, you know, so um, I can't remember, I don't know, a lot of the experiences blend into one. Well, you also mentioned maybe, um, maybe more details about that first trip you had when you were 16, you said just right off the bat, it was a spiritual experience. Yeah. More so than a, a recreational or mm -hmm. just kind of ooh, rainbows and colors kind of experience. Yeah. Could you describe what that was like? It was probably my first experience out the gate of like experiencing what it meant to be present, you know, that's so beautiful. And like the gift of that. And, and, you know, I just talked about that big like journey with, with high doses of LSD, but even with the smaller doses of LSD, I was really beginning to understand how valuable that is to human existence because it's like being 
is the absence of mind. And that's where the transcendence happens, you know? And so I was having transcendental experiences on low doses of acid anyways. Mm -hmm. And so it's like having those bigger visionary experiences were amazing, but I was already prepped a little bit. Beyond those initial experiences of like what it means to be in a state of being mm -hmm. was just an expansion on being and, and um, being in unity with everything. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like as, it, as the words are coming out of my mouth, I feel like I sound really out there. That sounds pretty normal for like a... <laughs> I mean... The unity of being is like a pretty fundamental aspect of the psychedelic experience. I mean, for me, I mean, I read this book edited by Terrence McKenna when I was 21. It was called Tripping. Mm -hmm. And it was like a collection of people's trip stories. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not crazy. These people see all the same things I do. They're just on drugs. Yeah. So that vibrational state of reality is something like I kind of always see. Mm -hmm. Um, but that when, when we're running around in all our, I don't know, the rat maze of how society is today and how dissociated people are from being just through the evolution of, I don't know, industrial, industrialization and I don't know the, the way things are right now that, um, I don't know, that's the most common thing I hear from people when they do, when they're talking about their trips, is yeah. that connection with being to varying degrees, like, like I've had high dose mushroom trips before, you know, like four or five grams or something, where it's like, the state of connection with the earth and the universe is just really direct and literal, and you're, you're... I don't know, the feeling of that in contact with all of it vibrationally. And I feel like that's a spiritual thing, like the spiritual tradition sometimes talk about as well. Like teaching people to be in that level of connectedness of whatever the universe is. I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes I err on the side of describing certain things with simplicity. Mm-hmm. Just to keep the integrity of the experience. I don't want to get too deep into a vision. Right. Because that's not the whole experience. It's not just I had this vision. There was a, an accompaniment of like recalibration of my being and like hits of realization and like kind of like being washed in reality and light that just kind of altered the way I feel think from that moment out and I don't know how many of those moments I've had in my life you know so now I just think this way and it's hard to describe does that mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean I've been I've like set up spaces at festivals before and sold books and things like books about psychedelics uh -huh. and the kids were they wanted all the information they could get their hands on. Just yeah. They're, they're like, people put language on these things? Like, what do people say about this? Or... Yeah, it's... I mean, and obviously some things are so much easier to talk about, but... 
maybe we should talk about those easier things. Sure. What kind of easier things? What kind of easier things are you thinking about? Well, that was acid. I was saying how, yeah, I'd done some high doses. And I haven't done as high dose as many people. Like, I think my max dose of LSD is like 12 or 15 hits. Except for the time you got puddled. That was the first time I ate acid. And that was non-voluntary. Um, like I didn't know, you know, someone very obviously knew that I was a newbie and was like, almost like testing me, you know? So that doesn't count in my personal experience. Cause that was just really confusing and scary. And like, yeah. I wasn't ready for that. So as far as like intentionally taking high doses, I think my max was like 15 hits and like people like. That used to, like, I was saying how for a while my baseline was five. Like, mm-hmm. 15 used to be people's baseline. Like, oh, we're starting at 15. I mean, there are people who have eaten hundreds, you know? Yeah. So as far as, like, area of expertise around the world of LSD, that is not my forte. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed my exploration. Um, and there's a part of me that wish I would have gone deeper in that. But my path just took a different direction. Mm-hmm. Um, just on like um, on an alchemical level, I feel like my being was looking for something a little more holistic. You know, LSD is so expanding and it's so expanding in the mind. But like as I was starting to transform my being, then all of these like root issues were kind of coming up and being asked to be dealt with. Not like personally, not like something's like, oh, hello, Brooke, will you, will, that's fine. will you deal with me? But like the nature of what I needed through psychedelics started shifting. And naturally without my intention that started shifting towards mushrooms. Um, and they entered my life magically to the point now where I don't even eat LSD without eating mushrooms Mm -hmm. (laughs) just so I have something that connects me to the earth and like grounds me down but um I kind of dove deep with those in a multitude of ways um and I would say that that's really like next to ayahuasca like what I've explored most deeply in uh-huh. like my 17 years of <laughs> shit psychedelic experience um and so yeah I, I played around with low doses to the point where like a baseline dose was like two grams which is not casual mm-hmm. all the time it can be I mean if <laughs> casual what is that you know but like easy right like a whole lot can happen eating two grams of mushrooms like on an internal level um but what i really like about mushrooms is that like i was saying like lsd really like opens the mind to like these just kind of frees your mind and i feel like mushrooms then like drop into the heart yeah like that that fungus is like it is it it moves with the vibration of love everything does 
if we're going to be like that about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, but that's what I needed. I needed that like softening and like subtle opening of the heart. And like, I really learned, um, heart language through mushrooms and not heart language as far as like love language, but how to like move in my being more compassionately and how to look at myself right yeah more compassionately and um and the high doses i've taken of mushrooms have been insanely impactful like the first the first intentional high dose i did was about in 2012 i think and I ate seven grams. And I did that. I, I mean, I had been eating mushrooms like semi-regularly throughout the summer. And not just like partying and fun, but like taking them by myself or like with groups of friends. But like quiet in a room. No talking for hours, you know, until things shifted and then we started talking. Um, but I remember that day. It was, you know, it took a lot of consulting with my psychedelic community for me to make that decision to do that and even all day like I wasn't convinced I was going to I was scared I still went through the motions I fasted for half the day and then I would pour um mason jars of water the half gallon ones Mm -hmm. and I pray over them and then drink them and then I had one that I prayed over throughout the day that was going to be with me after I Mm -hmm. after I ate the mushrooms um I ended up going for it I I took the plunge I went through the motions all day super scared like really nervous um I did nervous even thinking about that. Oh my god. Me too. Like there is something really brilliant about like the naivety of never having done something like that. It's like <laughs> Well and my knowledge of of plant based worlds has opened up so much too, where it's like I wouldn't do that anymore. But I'm so glad I did. I view pretty much there was life before that experience and life after. And people noticed that too in me. My roommates were like, whoa, what happened to you afterwards? You are different. I remember after, I'll go into the experience, but I remember the day after the experience after my trip I was in the local grocery store and one of um, my yoga teachers that I really admired but never connected with was leaving the grocery store as I was coming in and he just looked at me just stared at me quiet for a second and then gave me a big hug and he was like I'm happy for you and like let go and walked away and I was like whole like it was obvious like something like something really shifted so that experience again like I said it's really hard to um to put such an impact 
impactful experience into words. So I'll do my best because like I said, this is, it's, it's so much more than, than vision and realization. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a complete like readjustment of like the way we're operating on our like baseline level. But yeah, so I had, I ate the seven grams in my bed, in the dark. My house was empty. Um, and I, it took a way longer than I thought for it to kick in because what I did, which I do not recommend people to do, <laughs> but I ate them with almond butter because mm-hmm. I was just like, how am I going to like chew all these up? Yeah. And I found a better way now. Um, but so the digestion took a little bit longer, so it came on slow and that's fine. And then when it came on, my visions were so dark. Like I was seeing like shanty towns and like crime ridden villages. And I was like, what? I'm like, I thought doing two grams over the heroic dose was supposed to blast past this. And I didn't want to be stuck there. So, um, I took my pipe, it was a tobacco pipe, and I had mapacho in there, a Peruvian tobacco that they use for prayer. You don't inhale it. And so I just kind of set some boundaries with the tobacco, just like only energies aligned with the light of love are aligned in this room. Simple. And I smoked my pipe. And like this warmth washed over me and in my vision, this rainbow serpent came and opened its mouth and ate, ate the dark visions. And then like there was this energy of like complete, like letting go. Like I remember sinking into my bed really deeply. Um, and as I like exhaled, I peed myself and I, and it wasn't like a choice I'd made. It was like, that was like a full, like my being let go. Like I had no control over that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then these waves of ecstasy started moving through me. Like as, as like I let go, like with that release just came like, like waves of love and ecstasy. And I actually experienced a full orgasm. And I was without any sort of touch. This was all just like through being immersed in like ecstatic energy. It was incredible. And I wasn't attached to my, I mean, obviously my body was having this experience, but I couldn't in that moment, I did not know that that was an orgasm. That just what happened, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, then I was immersed into like a completely different, like plane and wavelength of being, um, to the tune of which I never experienced before, like beyond feeling like connected to everything. It was just like this world of light. And I kept having like these understandings of how we are the earth. 
Like our body is the earth. Everything about it, like the earth lives in us. Um, and that sounds really insignificant, but it, it was actually really impactful, like feeling the water moving through the body. And, um, and that came along with actually really, really beautiful visions. <laughs> like, like insanely beautiful visions. And, um, but really just like the hit of, of that world of love. Oh, it changed everything about me. And I was out of my body for hours. So I don't know what happened there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know... <laughs> I don't know what happened there. But I know I was really different and way more open in my heart afterwards. And I remember when I came back to my body... I still wasn't sober by any means. I couldn't walk, but mm -hmm. the smell of my urine <laughs> and my sweat, like, I was like, whoa, what is that? <laughs> so I'm like, God, I like needed to get out of there. And I didn't even know, like, like I was in this reality of like, everything is okay. Like no matter what, always. Mm-hmm. Like, that was, like, one of the, the, the lessons that came through super strong in that experience. And I thought I was in a plane where I would be in that state of being in mind forever. Mm -hmm. So when I came back to my body and, like, had this, like, piss-filled bed to deal with, I was like, oh, man, is that really true? <laughs> like, <laughs> what the fuck? But I did. I got up to get in the shower. But I didn't really get up. I couldn't stand so I, I legit 100% army crawled from my bedroom to the shower. That's a real thing that happened. And I got into the shower and I, I couldn't stand. I sat on the shower floor and turned on the water and the water hitting me and hitting the, um, the tile in the shower was freaking nuts. Like, it was like beyond understanding like the blessing and the importance and like the beauty of the gift of water. It was beyond that. But like the tone of the water hitting everything and hitting me. And it was also washing me clean of like my sweat and like of my experience and like whatever else I was shedding. You know, like I released a lot. Yeah. I definitely remember tears. I remember I laughed. I remember... I mean, shit, I had an orgasm and I pissed myself. Like, there was a lot of shedding that happened in that experience. Yeah. And so, like, being in the water was just, like, it was um, a really important and pinnacle point of the night. And I um, kind of got thrown into this place. Like, like, I felt like I was in, like, the middle of the universe. Like, I was... Um, in like blackness but there were stars all around me and like as like the water kept hitting me and the all, all the different points in the shower it like um it it sounded an ohm but it wasn't like i heard ohm it's like i was in the heart of what an ohm was because they say it's the the echo of the universe or the sound of the universe, the sound the universe makes. 
but I felt like I was inside of it. Like it was like vibrating through me and around me and within me. And I was kind of see like my vision was that and it was crazy. I have no idea how long I was there. I was there for a long time until I got to the point where I was like in such awe that like and joy that I just couldn't stop laughing. And I, <laughs> I like, in 99% sure, I, like, splashed around in the water on the shower floor laughing, like, for a really long time. And that is not something I'm proud of because I really like to, like, hold my energy to be together and to be quiet and still and be in the experience. But that shit was so amazing and everything was so funny because everything I thought I knew was not true and it was not true in a way that was freaking hilarious because I was wrong about everything and the reality of everything holds so much more beauty than we give it credit Aww. for you know <laughs> and it was just so funny it's we, we walk around so serious we can be so serious and things aren't that serious I mean and and in the serious reality of everything, it's freaking beautiful. And that's worth a little chuckle sometimes. <laughs> you know? And that's like a really intense thing to say with the state of the world as it is right now. People like, you know, with all the politics and the injustice and like, there's a lot of disgusting things on the surface right now. So to be like, whoa, everything's really beautiful. I could see how that could hit people really wrong. And I don't want to sound like I don't acknowledge that, but there is an undercurrent of beauty underneath everything. And that was that was the take-home experience of the of the seven grammar. Lots of beauty, lots of love. Have you ever had that did you ever have the experience of jumping doses so high maybe that time you got puddled was one where you just didn't remember anything at all because you didn't have the like ability or kind of I don't know if the word endurance isn't quite right but I know sometimes when I've done a really high amount a really high dose and I didn't like work my way up to it consistently I just don't remember like my experience of consciousness is like discontinuous the only time that happened to me was the first time I got puddled on LSD. Yeah. I was like 19 years old in Denver, Colorado, outside of a show, looking for acid. I asked this guy for some acid, and it was like me and my friends. We were like two super young hippie girls with like shitty white girl dreadlocks. And it's like he knew. Like we were young. He knew. And he took us into his van and like the way he puddled us he like acted like his dog hit him but he like held this dropper so it's like it was probably maybe 20 hits it was enough that by the time i walked legitimately across the street i couldn't see anything yeah kaleidoscope i like and i i did i had no context for the experience i didn't know how to move within myself or in that space i almost got kicked out of the the show that night 
Um, apparently, this is like, I don't know what happened after I walked in the doors for a while. And what snapped me out of that was this woman grabbing me by the shoulders and was like, if you come back here again, I'm kicking you out. And that like snapped me back into reality. And apparently I had been walking into the soundboard. (laughs) And that had happened enough times for her to be like, if you do this again, I'm going to kick you out. Um, yeah, I don't know what happened that night. And yeah, I do think it's because I wasn't ready. I had like, I have the tools to be in that. And that's the only time I've, I've definitely talked to a couple of people that don't remember their experiences. And I think a lot of it is like too much too soon or like trying to keep up with your friends. Like, oh, well they're doing this. So I'm going to do this and not everyone, not everyone carries the same baggage around like psychedelics are gonna bring up your shit and and if it comes up too fast we'll disconnect you know like slow and steady is good and I also think and this is probably not true for you because I know you and I know this is not your style but like I think um alcohol consumption mixed with psychedelics can like make people lose their foothold in it too and get to a place where it's uncomfortable or it's a blackout situation but yeah I think the too much too fast is um is a real thing Mm -hmm. I mean I experienced that firsthand and like now with the experience under my belt I know and also seeing other people like I've seen a bunch of people have a hard time or blackout times yeah yeah, it's important to go slow. There's no need to be a psychedelic warrior because it's not easy. Like, it's beautiful and it's it's game-changing, but it's good to be wise. And um, know your set and setting, right? That's what they talk about in DMT, the spirit molecule. Like, the first rule of tripping, set and setting. And if you're not... You know, if you're not in the right setting, that, that can throw everything off too. There's a lot of factors. And it's like me, like, coming, like, into, into my psychedelic experience and, like, the concert culture would not be everyone's ideal setting. For me, it worked out. And, you know, I'm getting to know this this woman. She's 70, and she was like, exploring psychedelics in the heyday in the late 60s and she was like I was never a concert goer it's like all her friends were deadheads like going and she's like I would never do that like that's not for everyone you know so there's there is a level of responsibility that we need to carry when we're like exploring with these things it's important to like have some humility in the face of powerful substances. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. Thank you for talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of my big intentions with this podcast is the, I don't know, to put some kind of guidance or caution or just sharing among community beyond what you might find among your immediate friend set or something. 
it just seems important to, I don't know, care for each other in that way and hear from people in widely different contexts than you might be aware of exist for making sense of your experiences or um, being careful in ways that could protect you or protect people you care about and that kind of thing. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's really important. I learned that lesson slow, you know, and I made it out all right, but not everyone does. Yeah. Do you, um, speaking of setting, um, no one of the other contexts that you've tripped in is working with ayahuasca is, is now a good time to oh yeah oh yeah yep yep that's good always a good time to talk about that yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah that that's something else yeah that changed everything for me like in the way i use psychedelics now is like these everything that came in my chat with you before ayahuasca is not how I interact with psychedelics anymore because of working with ayahuasca in a setting with a shaman who has in-depth knowledge of how to navigate the world of the plants. I see how much I don't know and how much of the world is spirit. Like I thought I knew so much. Like you can hear me talking, like I have these like, like groundbreaking experiences, but I don't know anything when it comes down to like the world, the spirit and the world of the plants and the realms of psychedelia. I know nothing. (laughs) And probably everyone else you interview on this podcast too. We know what we know we know what we've experienced but then when you see someone who can navigate these realms with ease and like extract darkness out of people and like infuse light into the being it's like oh shit you know i feel like a helpless baby so working with the ayahuasca has really changed my relationship with psychedelics but not in a way of like oh i think psychedelics are bad but has deepened my understanding of how much more beauty and healing there is available to us than I ever thought could exist. You know, when it's like a lot of the exploration that people do, it is, it's really fun and it's exciting. Um, in worlds in in the ways of like understanding reality on these levels but like ayahuasca is like it's about understanding you at least to start like you know i came to sit because i knew there were parts of me that were like blocked off or suffering or i had intense trauma you know that i couldn't break through on my own and like being in a setting where um someone is containing the space for you and all I have to do is drink the medicine and sit there and be present 
try to find a way to be in a state of compassion and or gratitude. And like I can move through whatever is coming up for me at the time. And then when I can't move through, then there's this person who sees that I'm not moving or that something really big is coming up. And I would say that I've, I'm experiencing, because I'm still very much active in the transformation process, but I've experienced the most transformation um, of working with ayahuasca closely than I have with anything else. And everything else is what led me to be interested in drinking ayahuasca, you know, to, to see myself, because I'm like, you know, you eat the psychedelics and you, you see all these like truths about the world. You also see truths about yourself. And I haven't talked about that, but like, yeah, seeing you see yourself, your shit comes up. Mushrooms, acid, it's coming up. And it's like, I want to be better. You know, I want to be freer in my being. Um, um, So I've been working really closely with a very high-level Shipibo shaman for five or six years now. Um, so obviously there is a multitude of things to share. So I don't know how, how you want to navigate that from here. I'm wondering when, when it makes sense to talk about the specific traumas that you've been addressing through the ayahuasca work. We could start there, Well, if that feels right. I mean, it feels right because it's the whole motivation. It's the whole motivation for me like to drink ayahuasca, essentially. It's like, that was one of the first prayers I had in my second ceremony, right? The second ceremony I ever sat, which was before I found my teacher. So this was like nine years ago eight or nine years ago mm -hmm. my second ceremony and it's like I started to realize as I got older and you know I was sexually abused pretty in, uh, intensely as a child from six to twelve they got the full gamut you know sexual abuse family member um, and for a long time, I was just like, well, that happened. That's my life. And like, I have to live with these scars. <clears throat> and I got to a point where I was like, I can't live like this anymore. Like, I had an eating disorder. I had bulimia. It was bad. It almost killed me. Like, and just my moods and my depression and like the way I would relate to men, like, and take anger out on innocent men. <laughs> sorry um it's just like I couldn't I couldn't keep doing that and therapy didn't work for me and so I you know this was the medicine I needed to heal that and things started opening up for me like pretty much right after I made that prayer of like god you gotta help me heal this you know and it was like my second ayahuasca ceremony. So I just thought I could say that prayer and it would be over in a night. <laughs> Not true. Um, 
for anyone who thinks that the healing process is going to be like one prayer and one ayahuasca ceremony, that is very much not the case. Um, but over the past almost six years of working with my teacher, and I've done a couple diets, plant diets in the jungle with his teacher, you know, where I'm drinking, um, like a plant from the Amazon, that's really helped heal that too, like all of the things. Um, I have changed, I found full forgiveness for my abuser, like 100%, like that forgiveness for my abuser is there and genuine. And like I said, it was a family member and I talked to this person now. We have a relationship. Um, is it easy? No. Is there still a lot of pain in my body because of that experience? 100%. It's something that I have to like confront on the daily. But before I started like moving through this, I couldn't talk about this trauma without crying. And um, my eating disorder went away. You know, and I really credit that to, like, ayahuasca. Like, that was never an intention of mine. And slowly, like, I developed the self-love to stop killing myself. Mm. You know, and it's just, like, it's this beautiful infusion of, like, self-love and, like, forgiveness for others and, like, um, honesty, self-honesty. to be able to see how we really are. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the healing process isn't just like this trauma happened to me, like take away the pain. <laughs> a lot of the, the healing process is I have adapted to behaving in this way slow over time. Mm -hmm. And I have to be able to see that clearly accept that that this is how I am and change it mm -hmm. and that process is slow and it can be really hard I mean very recently I went through an experience you know because yeah I honestly think like when like seeing traumas of the past come up is way easier than seeing how you really are mm -hmm. you know yeah. it's like like getting this reflection of how I am seen in the world is like fucking intense or like watching how my mind operates and like making a conscious effort to change the way my mind functions that's the hardest work I've ever done and I'm seeing massive transformation in myself, and I get feedback on that all the time. But there's still a long way to go. But can you describe? Because I have some of similar mental things or behavior things, and I just I know a lot of women who work with psychedelics to deal with sexual trauma, and it's one of the reasons these things need to be decriminalized and like it's mostly men making the laws too i don't know that's trippy <laughs> um 
But on the mental thing in particular, I'm wondering if you feel comfortable describing a little bit of... Just because I know so many women who have been sexually abused by family members as children, which is, like, really sad. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people don't have access to these kind of tools and experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering if you can describe a little bit, like, just some specifics of the mental patterns that you notice and have things you've been able to yeah, address or not address yet, you know? Sure, yeah, uh-huh. Um, well, I'm sure there's a whole freaking mountain of behavioral misconduct that I have not uncovered yet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but like one of the things I've really noticed is like, um, like reacting to things in anger, like a lot, like there is, um, And I'm getting better in that, thank fucking God. Because being angry sucks. And reacting to people in anger, it doesn't feel good. Like, it does not feel good at all. But, like, yeah, I... And that was one of the tough pills I had to swallow and, you know, keep having to refine, for sure, is, like, just seeing how, like, in, in a situation that may minorly inconvenience me or if I am in um, periods of high stress, it's like the first, the f- first like knee-jerk re- reaction is like being really short and like fast and like angry and like a little bit blunt, like very non-compassionate. And it's like, I never really learned how to deal with that massive pain. So then anything that kind of pushes on a pain body, it's like, oh my God, you get all of this. Like, oh, interesting. Uh-huh. you know, and, um, and that, not that that's a conscious decision. That's something I like watched over time, but mm-hmm. I had to first watch like, oh my God, I am treating people like really short, really snappy, like my god um so like reacting out of anger is one thing that like was something I've been having to work on and then um I would say another thing is um stress like the way I react to stress is just like getting so overwhelmed where it's like I almost can't function in the world at all it's like paralyzing paralyzing stress um that's not as much of a thing anymore still gets me obviously but it's better um self-criticism I think I mean I think everyone experiences this to a degree but like in my relationship to my trauma like a lot of um self-hatred and 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 criticism of my body particularly my appearance particularly which that one's really hard for me still like I that's still a thing by the way the person I'm talking to is like (laughs) I pretty much think they're the most beautiful person I've ever seen in my entire life (laughs) just because you're not going to get the visuals um yeah (laughs) I've heard that I don't 
you know, knowing how to see that is something I'm not, I'm not there yet. And I think that could be a good thing for now anyways, whatever. Um, but that's a real thing. I, I think I actually pretty sure I have body dysmorphia pretty 100% solidly. Like, I don't really think I know what I look like, mm-hmm. like the shape of my body. I don't think I know that at all. Um, back to like the mind patterns of, um, that, that are in relationship to my trauma, um, fear, so much fear. I'm afraid and I'm working on that actively, but that's been one thing that's been coming up in the world of ayahuasca for me is my fear and Fuck, man, working on your fear is hard because you have to be shown how afraid you really are. That's been a big one, like learning how to be fearless or like kind of move move out of like a baseline state of stress and fear. I think in just this November past, I really learned how like as together and loving and like grounded as I think I am like I am actually always stressed and always afraid Mm -hmm. and that's been like the bulk of my work since November so a little over six months of that and I've made a lot of progress in that I've done a, a plant diet since then which really helped stir the pot and throw everything in my face and um pretty healthy way is it working on it is it mostly just observing what's happening and then being able to catch it or trying to be mindful or is it also um doing things to like treat your nervous system or like like using herbs or nutrition or like any kind of physical practices or is it more the observance thing well in the beginning in the beginning um I was using a lot of, um, I I was experiencing immense amount of fear and my teacher recommended for me, because I wasn't sleeping really at night, uh, my teacher recommended to put, um, you know Vicks Vaporub, how it's really like menthol-y? Uh-huh. So they make like an organic one with like heavy eucalyptus and like some spearmint and he says the mint is so strong that it takes away your fear. So, like, in the beginning when I was, like, really in my fear, I was using the plants, the menthol on my chest at night Mm -hmm. so I could fall asleep. And that did. That really soothes. But slow, it it became, um, it became um, more of, of an observance of the mind of, like, watching watching the thoughts go into fear and then just at first it just it had to be watching them and then it was stopping them like well what no stop that and that's really hard too because your mind can always trick you Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's easy for your mind to trick you into being afraid and that was a slow process and thank god for being able to sit in ceremony there was just some things that I've always been afraid of that just weren't there anymore. Like, I have this friend who has a dog that's a wolf. And I have been afraid of this fucking dog since I met him, eight years old. And I invited her to stay with me. 
I heard she's like, my dog has to come. And I'm like, okay. And I like walked into in the door. She was already at my house with her dog. And I walked in the door and I look at this dog and I'm like, I cannot believe I was ever afraid of you. Like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Like, what? And I was terrified. Like, I would not go to places where this dog was in the past. And so it's like back to like the the power of my plant diets and the skill of my teacher to help kind of chip away at the stuff that's ready to go, you know? But I have Mm -hmm. to stew in it first. But that being said, like, this, I don't know, I'm going to sound like a real big hippie here, but this, this full moon has been bringing up a lot of fear stuff that I thought I moved through. Uh And I've just, I've just been watching it and being like, well, Brooke, are you going to choose to be paralyzed by this? Or are you just going to watch that this is there? And so now I'm at a point where I can be like, okay, this is here, but I'm choosing not to make a story about it and have it affect my nervous system now you mentioned nutrition and there is a lot of correlation between um your stomach stomach is actually the fear center of the body and i've done a lot of damage to my stomach because of the bulimia And so I've been like maybe three weeks into this new um, remedy to kind of heal some of my stomach issues. Oh, wow. You started it. I did. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. And so um, it's really interesting because I'm noticing like a lot of shifts in my health and my digestion and like my skin and that I'm, I'm also watching this fear come up like I was just mentioning and like I, I credited that to the full moon but now as I start talking about like this dive into like working on my stomach it's like ah oh, there's probably some correlation there too and I'm actually very interested to see um how like treating my stomach holistically is gonna um impact the state of my mind it's not there yet, but like, I kind of have a feeling that that will play into each other. But like, as far as like the get go action of how I was working with my fear at first, it was just trying to take control of the mind, like take the reins back, not let the ride mind run amok. Now it's time to get back into my tummy and, and come at it from all angles, I guess. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, I feel like I answered your question the best I can. Thank you. Yeah, man. Ma'am. Woman. I don't know what's fine Um. Maybe while we're talking about ayahuasca. Right. Because that's almost like a buzzword now. Or like um, a really tempting idea. For people who are curious and haven't done it. Or have maybe had really bad experiences. It's like 
just important to really know who you're working with. Don't just fly down to Peru and start drinking medicine with the first friggin' person who hands you a flyer, you know, or, or any person in the States, you know, who has access to ayahuasca, like, do the research. Well, maybe not research, but talk to some friends or, like, reach out to Magenta, you know, she, you know, but, like, Make sure you're sitting with someone who's capable of holding this space well, because I have a success story in ayahuasca, a continually unfolding success story, but not everyone does. And it's uh, of all the places that it's important to like make sure you're safe. That world is one of them, like utmost importance, um, especially when when we talk about powerful shamans. Make sure the shaman is using the power in the right way, in the way of the light. Get those recommendations out there. <laughs> yeah, on that topic, like, also for me, like, the difference between sitting with someone who has not been trained and basically just, just has the medicine and mm-hmm. someone who has been trained and is in an intact lineage in relationship with the lineage keepers um i mean some of the people have been working with this plant for i mean we don't even know right like four thousand seven thousand more I believe, years i believe it's ten thousand i think it's as old as yoga um i think the shipibo tradition is ten thousand years old mm-hmm. shit's old yeah i agree with that um people in line like more in line with lineage hold the most hold the capacity for the most amount of healing for the people who are taking medicine under their guidance because mm-hmm. I've sat with people who just like went to the big island and like learned from the person who's growing the medicine and like have the ceremonies and that's beautiful there it's it can be really beautiful but like the level of depth of healing that comes from the people who really study mm-hmm. study study yeah that's my plug um so one of the last things i wanted to ask before we wrap up here is also i don't know what words you use to describe it sometimes you use the word sensi but um <laughs> i think you're a fellow psychic person or sensitive person Um, I'm careful about what words I use for those because I think everyone has these, you know, more extended sensory capacities and ways of knowing than are taught to kids in American culture for sure, but um, in a lot of contexts. But I'm just curious your experience of that in general and also if psychedelics have taught you things about that or helped you navigate that at all or the people that you meet through working with psychedelics, I guess. Oh my god, yeah. Psychic is something that I don't use to describe myself, although some, I would say more intuitive, Mm -hmm. and I would try, I I try not to say that in, like, the new agey way that, like, you're come at a lot with, like, I I literally had someone today be like, I'm an empath intuitive, brah, and it's, like, amazing, I'm happy for you, 
we all are. We're humans. But like, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we need to do a show where you make fun of uh, all those kinds of characters. I would. <laughs> I would really love to, with the mo- utmost compassion um, in the world. But um, yeah, I feel like it comes through to me more intuitive on an intuitive level. Like sometimes I. I can get senses about things, but I, I'm always trying to make sure that the hits I'm getting are accurate. And I, I'm always trying to be like, is this a creation of my mind or is this my intuition? And, um, I feel like I can, I can sense a lot of, um, sense and see. It's actually really weird to talk about and I don't talk about it a lot. Because I'm still learning how to understand what I'm seeing on a visual level, like um, what what people are carrying around. Some might call it an aura, but it hits me on different levels. It's like visual and um, a felt sensation. Mm-hmm. As far as like personal interactions with people, whether I run into you on the street, at the grocery store, or at like a big, large event where there's a lot of people, like. That's something that I'm a little more opened up to. Mm-hmm. It's like um, what what the individuals are carrying around, and that's beautiful and intense sometimes, and and then a really intense learning experience in staying compassionate. What do you mean by things that people are carrying around? Just like um, the weight, you know. The general weight or lack thereof, you know, in the emotional body. I mean, sometimes it's really obvious, but I mean, shit, man. The other day, (coughs) I was looking at this meme. I look at memes. I freaking love them. It's a thing. And I'm a little bit ashamed of it right now in this moment. But I was memes like, are awesome. Dude, memes, the internet exists. Memes exist. People are so funny. Memes are fantastic. But I was looking <laughs> at this meme of like a pretty scary looking dude. And like I like kind of got hit in the face like with the energy of this photograph. And I like had to swipe or scroll. I had to keep moving. <laughs> and then someone direct messaged me that meme. And I'm like, oh my god he's there again and it's like it was the same hit and it's like i felt that freaking guy's energy through his photograph yeah i often think about like i just even thinking about this my hands up to my face to massage my face looking at facebook (laughs) is like it's like getting hit in the face with all of everyone's trauma and all of everyone's ego all at the same time oh facebook Facebook, I'm, I'm, I don't do it as much as I used to. I'm a, especially now that I like memes. It's like, why? <laughs> Just go. Wait, there are better gardens of memes than Facebook? Is Instagram. Yeah, man. Instagram is a, has good memes. You don't know this? Oh, Magenta. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm I'll like start, old. <laughs> I'll start sending you those DMs of memes. That's my oh, game. I love that. There's a few I've thought about sending you, <laughs> actually. <laughs> um. Anyways, yeah. Do you know about Dogecoin? 
No, is that a, is that a meme page? It's a crypto coin about. You showed me something once with like people, and it's like so very. Oh yeah. But yeah, there's yeah, this yeah. dog that talks like that in the memes. Oh. It's his language. Yeah, that's a that's a new thing coming through in the memes. Yeah, there's a co- there's a cryptocurrency coin, that is called Dogecoin. It's basically like a big joke. Like they're <laughs> all and you can it like it, it like infinitely grows or something. So giving people it is, it's just a game and it's all silly. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's all I know about it. But well, I don't know. I'll send you a link or something. Please send me. I wanna silly. I wanna see it. <laughs> um. Yeah. But um. I guess, okay, so we're talking about I'm sensitive to the, the energy body and the people, but you know what? There are there are some, by way of, of like talking about psychic, there are some things, like in some people, that I calibrate to really easy, where it's like, kind of know what's going on with them without being there. Or um, without talking. And usually those connections are very mutual. That's so interesting. Uh-huh. And like not all of those people that are in my life are, um, well, they all have drink medicine. But some of them are like super close friends where we've journeyed in all the realms together. And some of them are just like, I guess, soul friends. But, like, yeah, I, I can experience that, but not on a universal level. Usually it's a more, like, individual mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and maybe someday that will expand. But right now I, I feel like I'm so focused on, like, my own personal healing that, like, maybe I could be stronger in the world of, like, psychic connection, but that's not what I'm choosing to strengthen mm-hmm. right now. It's definitely a byproduct of my experience, but it's not where the energy's going. Yeah. Or my energy's going into making sure what I'm, like, perceiving as an intuitive hit is not being influenced by my mind. Mm-hmm. That I actually really am clear. Do you find that you end up avoiding situations because just the people hanging out there or the energy of the space or something is just... I mean, this is this sounds even silly to say in the context of psychic because I think everybody does this, but I feel like a lot of sensitive people I know are either reclusive or sometimes they adapt ways to kind of clean or recalibrate themselves after they're around people or scenes where it's like really rough. But I've even known people who have like a really hard time going through the BART train between the lights being really bright and the sound and like all the strangers and stuff. Um, and even just that simple experience of urban life is just like really, really, really difficult for them to deal with being bounced around by that much well, people's stuff. Kind of. I live in the woods, so that helps. And I have been through hermit phases and I'm trying to like balance it out. That being said, there are some places I can't be. And this is really unfortunate because it's a, it's, a, it's a space I used to really love, but ecstatic dance is something that's really hard for me because it's a setting where you are encouraged to like move ecstatically. And I find that it's like a place where you're encouraged to just throw your energy around. I feel like I'm getting hit by stuff <laughs> all the time. Yeah. And it's like, 
that's one thing that I really have to smoke a lot of mapacho before and during if I go. But for the most part, I'm not that sensitive to that because like I said, I started this journey in the jam band scene. So it's like, I will go to giant concerts. Mm -hmm. I do not care. I recently been going um, because there's this bar in town that has insanely good music and I don't really like hanging out in bars, but I do really like seeing good music. And so I've been going to the bar to see music. It feels weird sometimes. It's like, I'm in a bar, it's like dingy in here, but like, I'll go there. I don't care. <laughs> Having good music really helps like keep my energy moving like on like just on that energetic level. It's like, oh, I can like align with this. And this other stuff mm-hmm. is here, but like this is where I am. I'm in this flow of yeah. the instruments. So yes and no. And sometimes like the overwhelming moments take me by surprise, but I try not to fall victim to that. But, you know, if it's right after a weekend of ceremony and I just drink medicine for four nights, you will not find me in a bar and you will not find me in a group of, like, a large group of people. Like, that is not happening. So I coddle myself when my energy is super open. But on a day-to-day, I try to find a way to make it work. But again, I don't live in a city, so... I might be saying something totally different if I lived right somewhere else. Yeah. You know. You In ha- fact, oh, I was going to say I probably would because when I get to cities I get all sorts of weird. <laughs> like, whoa, get me out of here. You know? <laughs> I just feel like a whale. Like I feel like I navigate by like how whales do sort of like by some kind of energetic sonar, like by some kind of sound or vibrational acoustic kind of orientation and when I get in a city I I feel like I'm blind and can't I get so disoriented Mm -hmm. like I get lost all the time when I try to go to a city it's so funny um do you think that psychedelics have were did you have those kinds of abilities to see and sense before psychedelics have psychedelics enhanced that have they um more deeply informed you as to what of it is real and what of it's maybe just like random? Yes, to all of those questions. Yeah, I probably had some of that before. Uh-huh. Didn't really know how to navigate it. Yes, psychedelics definitely enhanced it. And yes, specifically working with ayahuasca has shown me like what is actually intuition and what's fear. <gasps> yes to all the questions. That's that's a real thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to go any more in depth than that. And just like, yep. <laughs> uh-huh. Thank you. Thank you. This has been great. And I'd be down to do this again sometime down the road if you want to. Or talk about a more specific thing. Yeah, or we if can... you have any ideas, you're like, oh, I really want to share this story. Yeah, we can talk about more things and more in depth. For sure. Thank you so much, Magenta. Yeah. It's been an honor to be considered. <laughs> for this podcast I am really excited to yeah to be on and to see what you're bringing into the world and to like be a part of of all the work you've been putting in 
I'm happy for you. Thank you so much. Thanks. I'm happy for you too. I'm hey. Happy I get to meet you in this adventure of embodiment and yeah thanks for sharing your stories so beautifully and thanks for going to all those places like you said it is not easy or small things to do like the adventures period but also working through trauma in those spaces and facing that all that stuff just really big respect to you thank you thank you yeah, I mean, you're doing it too. Respect to all of us, you know? Respect to the medicine and everyone who got all the medicines here. All the ones we like to do that have changed our life for the better. A lot of gratitude for that. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Psychedelic Cultures podcast. And a deep thank you to Brooke for sharing your experiences. If you would like to support this show, you can visit my website at imaginationhealer.com. And there's a link to my Patreon there. I wish you all beautiful journeys.